Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. This is a show about stock market investing in case you're new to this. Um, the Armor Report stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. I'm Brett Rosenthal. Now, I created the Armor Report for individuals managing their own capital. So for those of you who've decided to take on that monumental task, I think you're discovering that the need for information and the value of learning how to create that information yourself is key to this process. And so if you understand that, then the Armour Report's for you. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm going to take 30 years of doing this on my own, running my own capital, managing capital for individuals. I'm going to share with you a process. I call it the Armour Investing Way. It's not about a single stock pick. It's not about what's going to, you know, explode on Tuesday. This is about managing capital correctly. And over time, now that you're running your own money, over time, putting in place a process to capture upside when you can, but protect capital first. And that's why I call it the Armour Report. It stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. Now, there's three stages to this process of information that I'm going to reveal to you over time. The first stage is building our whiteboard. That's the old school fundamental research, and it's as important as ever. All right? So we, we share information from our own whiteboard after doing the research on companies, right? Then we shift over to execution, and that's where we use proprietary algorithms, and the information that comes off of those algorithms helps determine our risk decisions, when to add risk, when to take risk off. I'm going to share that with you. Okay. And of course the third stage is the process of using stop losses. Now I'm going to share with you how I do it. You could choose stop loss process that works for you, but the key here is to hone your skills with your stop loss discipline and do not deviate. Okay. The market gremlins will try to get you to deviate from your stop discipline. And when you do, they're going to end up carrying you off the trading floor. So when we put these three pieces together, this is the armor investing way. This is what I'm trying to share with you. So today what we're going to do is get, as usual, we're going to talk about the stock market itself, the direction, what we think is going to happen next week. We're going to hop on the cannabis couch, our favorite place to be. We've been working on this investment theme for three years, ladies and gentlemen, and it's coming to fruition. And this may be you know, one of the hardest parts. If you've been dogging a situation for three years is when you start making the money, how do you stay on the wave? We're going to talk about that today okay? and how important it is after you've done the work to stay with the trade, stay with the investment. There's different ways to do that. Then, of course, I'll get to your Q&A. So fill up the question board if you have any questions for me. I'll get to that. I do want to go over as a bonus today for Armor Insiders subscribers. We have um, a list I call the Armor Investing Rules of the Road. Things I've learned over the years. I just write them down. I think this is rule number 26. Rule number 25 and 26 deal with the rule of three. It's so important in investing and trading. It's bizarre how you'll see the rule of three play out in many different ways. And we're going to talk about that today. So um, before I hop in, as always, don't forget, I'm sharing my own experience. The information I'm revealing is information that I use in my own portfolio. I don't know you. I couldn't possibly tell you what stocks to buy. I don't know your risk tolerance. You've decided to run your own capital. You've got to make those choices on your own. Okay? So um, with that in mind, let's jump in. If you appreciate this conversation, the thumbs up always helps me on YouTube. If you guys want to subscribe to this channel, it's right down here. Or, of course, you could subscribe to um, our website, thearmorreport.com, A-R-M-R, report.com. You can see the links right down there. 
All right. So the first thing I like to do is I like to look at the big indexes. At the ARM report, we have our what we call the risk monitor. It uses seven algorithms to look at seven indexes that we believe drive the risk decisions. We don't believe it. It, it drives the risk decisions for us. The S&P, the NASDAQ, the small cap, um, the Dow, the IBD 50, which is the disruptive growth stocks, uh, momentum and value. Those seven indexes, they're all ETFs. They're algorithms we've written for those ETFs. They help drive our decisions for risk. You know, portfolio risk and then individually, where do we go? So from early November, we've been 100% risk on in that, uh, on that monitor, that risk monitor. It just hasn't changed. And we have three portfolios set up. Now, these are really portfolios I run. So I take my own personal capital. I divide it into three sections. And one of them is index only. So I use the algos. And all I do is buy these seven indexes or sell them dependent on algorithms. So that's been 100% invested since the beginning of November. And it hasn't changed. Nothing's changed. All the volatility, all the craziness, nothing's changed it. We've just been riding this market higher. Um, we're a little more active in our armor swing portfolio. And of course we have the armor invest portfolio. All right. So step one, let's look at the indexes real quick. Get this out of the way. I want to try to get to Q and a a little faster today. Let's just rip through some things. So you're looking at the Andrews fork of the S and P and we just keep crawling up the middle of the line. I and mean, that's beautiful. Really. There's nothing wrong with that. And what you get in a market like this is the opportunity to create massive alpha. If you invest correctly and focus on the right groups, and so here's a picture of the IBD 50. So obviously the IBD 50 is accelerating faster than the S&P. There's your alpha opportunity. What names are in the IBD 50 that are in uh, Armour portfolios? I'll give you an example. There, okay, Etsy. IBD 50 name, Etsy blew out this week. Uh, that's just one example. I mean, there's many. I'm not going to go through them all. But let's look at um, small caps. Small caps continue to outperform. You can see they're going up at a faster rate than the S&P. So when we get the S&P in an Andrews fork that's climbing up at a nice steady pace, if we can focus the portfolio on the right stocks, we can create alpha. It's not a mystery what we're doing. We're just focusing on the right areas that are capturing capital. Cannabis, believe it or not, tends to follow the small cap index. Maybe it's not strange. A lot of those names are small cap. Okay. So um, what do we think happened last week? What's going to happen this week? I don't, let's first, <laughs> let me be the first to tell you, I haven't the slightest idea what's going to happen next week. Right. So what we're running here are armor algorithms that are based on probabilities. Probabilities are not guarantees. I'm not going to give you the five stocks that will be up next week. OK, that's just total snake oil. Even if it's right for a couple of weeks, it ends up being wrong over a long period of time. What I'm trying to share with you is the armor investing way of managing capital correctly. Now that you're the steward of your own assets. Right. Here's the downside to running your own money. You ready for this? You've got nobody to blame but yourself, <laughs> okay? When things don't go right, okay? So you've got to put in place a process to protect yourself from yourself. Um, so last week was options expirations, OPEX week. What we talked about, Armor Insiders, and we have a live trading desk. So we're on all day through a Slack app, right, where we all chat all day. Um, first couple hours of every day, I share my screen with Armor Insiders so they can see what I'm doing on an intraday basis, how we're putting money to work. And we talked about all week how 3,800 on the S&P is the pin. That's where all of the gamma is. You can get this gamma information many different ways. Um, and so... The market did exactly what we expected last week, which was a lot of volatility around a price that allowed for massive alpha if you were focused on the right names. Cannabis had a huge run, and we have large exposure to cannabis. 
What happens next week is going to be very interesting and, and should really affect this Andrews fork. We're going to either see an acceleration out of the upside of that fork or a breakdown. We don't know which. But a lot of gamma went off the table on Friday. So it all the deck gets reshuffled. Why is gamma important? I'm going to boil it down for you and you know try to do it in one paragraph. 20, 20 to 25% of the volume on the exchanges are options related. Market makers. If you're buying a call, the market maker is selling you that call, which makes them short. You have the right to call away the asset. He's not in the business of holding a short. So he turns around and buys the underlying asset. So if there's massive amounts of calls being bought on the S&P, there's a natural flow higher in the market as 20 to 25% of the volume that day, that day could be dealers buying the underlying S&P as they're selling calls. And this drives the market up, right? So when you get to certain points of option expiration, you get wild volatility. And then the following week, you usually get a break one way or the other as the whole deck gets reshuffled and we start to see where gamma is again. If it's, if it's moving higher, if in other words, if the animal spirits of investors continue to buy calls, then that supports a higher market. We are in the right time of year for that type of behavior. Just seasonally speaking, money comes into the market January, February, March. And typically when you're on this type of an uptrend, you need a real event that shakes the tree. Think of it from a physics standpoint. You know, when, some, when, when a uh, object is moving in a certain direction, it continues in that direction unless there's something dramatic that changes it. What happened last year, February 24th, we had a pandemic. The market was doing this last year, right? Just levitating first couple months of last year before an event. So we're in the right time of year without some type of crazy event. It's going to be hard to stop the ball rolling. All right. Here's something I'll share with you right now. I keep my eye on these stocks every day. Let's look at MicroStrategy, MSTR. I look at the Bitcoin stocks every day. Sometimes I day trade them. We caught a huge day on Thursday on, on MicroStrategy's day trade. Okay. But what I'm really looking for is when this hyperbolic move in Bitcoin takes a break. And my guess is it'll happen first in the stocks. Riot, this is a hyperbolic move. This is, how many standard deviations? That's four, let's, call, let's try six. All right, so it's touching about six standard deviations. Really five is usually the number. And it looks like that's a better number. To, it looks like it's using five standard deviations, pretty much crawling up the five standard deviation above the 200-day line. That's unsustainable action. When that starts to peter out, I submit to you that we may see the whole market start to head lower. And it may be first that Bitcoin and the Bitcoin stocks go down, and then in a week or two, we'll see the market follow. It's not necessarily day-to-day. The reason I say that is I've been here before in hyperbolic markets. Usually there's one sector that's just gone ballistic. And when that action ends, and it usually ends in some type of a horrific way, like huge up morning, massive down afternoon, you know, like gap up Monday morning, 10% on Bitcoin, close down 20%. I mean, it's not 10%, whatever. So it's a huge move. And that'll tell you that the animal spirits of speculators is starting to wane. And I'll get a little more nervous. But as long as these things keep walking up the straight line and we stay in the Andrews fork and the gamma information comes out positive, we're in the right time of year for higher prices. And this is why the Armour algorithms, the Armour index only portfolio is 100% long and hasn't changed. So that's my first thought for you this morning. Markets continue to move higher. Nothing has changed that in my mind. Um, Alpha opportunities we already talked about, focusing on disruptive growth, cannabis, those type of things. Wanted to go over a couple of thoughts for you. I'm going to get to the cannabis couch, but I just wanted to go over. Um, there's a couple of, of trades 
we put some investments in the portfolio. We took them out. They hit stop losses that were, that were fairly tight. And I want to share with you a picture of these three investments. Two we actually owned, took a small loss on, one we didn't. They all have the same thing in common that's holding all of these stocks back. I want to share with you this thought. Every time I put money to work, I try my best to focus my portfolio on names where the reward is worth the risk. Think about this for a minute. This is how you should be making decisions. It's not what stock you like the most or what stock for some reason you think should go up. It, it, there has to be a trigger. You have to look for the right. So what we use for execution obviously triggers our single stock algorithms. So we look for a risk on entry point. But then we also look at the relative strength of a stock. And this is what I want to share with you. We like to find a relative strength that's breaking out ahead of the stock because relative strength leads the stock. Now, we use the William O'Neill website, investors.com, for this relative strength information. I'm not talking about the RSI index. That's completely different. That's the relative strength versus itself. Totally different. I'm talking about relative strength versus the S&P, versus the market. What you'll find, this is something I can share with you. It's a cornerstone of how I run money. It's worked for decades for me. When the relative strength of a stock is breaking down, making new lows, while the stock is going sideways in a pattern, it generally means that the stock will break down out of the pattern. If the relative strength is breaking to new highs while the stock is doing this, it generally means the stock will break out to new highs. This doesn't always work. The Armour Report is about probabilities. We try to get on the right side of probabilities and statistics over and over and over again. The number one rule on the Armour Investing Rules of the Road is to get on the right side of probabilities and statistics on every investment and do it when the reward is worth the risk. What does that mean? This is what I really want to talk about today for a second. If you'll you'll just give me a minute for the mind share. It's so important to me. To me, the, the risk is always the same. When I buy a stock, my favorite stop loss on a new entry is the low of the day that I bought it. The reason is I have algorithms I use that tell me when the probabilities are at their highest that the stock's going to go up. So if it takes out the low of that day, obviously the probabilities might be 7 out of 10. So obviously if it takes out the low of that day, it's one of those three times it's not going to work. So that's easy. Put the trade on. If it goes below the low of the day, I bought it, I'm out. And I submit to you, if you look at your best successes last year, go look at when you bought them. How many of them went below the low of the day you bought them, of your best successes? I'm willing to say zero. I could be wrong. You guys have to look. So if the risk is the low of the day I bought it, so when I say the risk is the same, sure, depending on how big the stock is up that day, the stop loss could be 5%, could be 10%, could be 2%. I don't know. It depends on what the volatility that day is. But the risk to me is the same. It's the low of the day I bought it. So that I'm looking for upside. I'm looking for something that can skyrocket. I want alpha. So let's go look at a couple portfolios and ask ourselves, why do we own this at all? Now I share with you guys, let me tell you something. I share with you guys my successes all the time. It's fun to talk about it. But sometimes we learn best from the mistakes we make. I'm going to share two with you right now. I consider this a, a, a mistake. There's not a lot of money lost. That, that's MJ, by the way. It looks phenomenal. But what I want to share with you is take a look at NVIDIA. Okay, we owned NVIDIA in the portfolio. We took a loss on the NVIDIA position. Now, what you're seeing here on this chart, this is the price movement. This is the daily chart, okay? This line right here, the blue line, is the relative strength. Please notice how the relative strength broke down 
over the last months, making new lows while the stock has been going sideways. There was no reason for me to put this position in the portfolio. I don't care what I think's going on in Bitcoin. I don't care what I think's going on in semiconductors. I don't care what I think about this chart pattern. The chart pattern looks nice and tight. It doesn't matter. The relative strength's breaking down. So the, the alpha on this trade, even if this stock goes up, the opportunity cost of the money is what's killing me there. I could be buying other names going up multiples while I'm waiting for NVIDIA to turn around. Why am I waiting for NVIDIA to turn around? The relative strength is telling me institutional money is coming out of the stock. Want to see another name that's underperformed? How about AMD? I don't know why AMD is underperforming. It should be skyrocketing right now. That's a perfect double top and a breakdown. Look at the relative strength. We call this ABCD for danger. A is this high right here. B is the corresponding relative strength. High. C is the double top. D, relative strength, makes a lower high. Notice how it makes a lower high. And now relative strength breaks down to a new low leading the stock, which broke down on Friday. There's no reason to own this stock. Not for me. I don't care if it turns around and goes up. I don't care. It's opportunity cost of money. Where else could I be going with that capital? Where I could have been making a lot of money last week instead of having capital tied up in that stock. I'm going to show you one more name just to round it out. Now, we did not own Microsoft. But I got a lot of people asking me about, let's buy Microsoft, let's buy Microsoft. And I keep saying, why do you want to buy Microsoft? The relative strength is straight down. It's a 31 relative strength. But it's not the number that bothers me. It's the breakdown. Look at the massive breakdown in the relative strength on, on Microsoft. I should be short Microsoft on that type of a breakdown. Well, I'm not, but I'm just saying. What that tells you, that's a graphic representation that money is coming out of Microsoft and investing in other parts of the market. You know, let's talk about where the money is going to have some fun. Okay. That's where the money's going. MJ. MSOS. So to wrap up this thought with you, I just, I beseech you when you're putting money to work, don't put money to work in a name that you like. That's got nothing to do with why stocks go up. Try to find the right entry point using algorithms. I'll help you do that as an armor insider. I share that information all day using our algorithms. Any Armor Insider is allowed to put into the room, what do you think of this idea? We throw it into the you know, Armor Algo Meat Grinder and see what comes out the other side. Happy to do it. Look at the relative strength of the stocks you're buying. Buy the relative strengths that are breaking out or at the very least confirming the move that you're seeing. Try to avoid relative strength stocks where the relative strength's breaking down while the stock's going nowhere. Do all of those stocks break down? No, that's not the point. A higher percentage breakdown? Yeah, absolutely. That is the point. But the overall point that I'm trying to make is when you're putting money to work, it's the opportunity cost of the money. Where else could you be going while you're waiting for this idea to pay off? It's a thought you got to keep asking yourself. So now let's get to the cannabis couch. Let's look at these charts just because they're so much fun. Right? Just a massive skyrocket in MSOS. I just want to go over our process with you. So right in here, we did a couple of videos on YouTube, and they're posted under our playlist on this channel. The playlist is called Cannabis. You'll be able to see it. And I explained why I was willing to put money to work with this ETF at 30. I thought it was a great way for all of us to gain exposure to the U.S. MSO space, the U.S. cannabis space. I think they had something like, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 million dollars under management. They have 400 million, 500 million under management now. It's been an unbelievable increase in capital coming into the space. But I'll tell you what, our plan is to have two P 
pieces to the hub of our cannabis investment. And that's the ETFs, MJ and MSOS. MJ in the last week or so has been outperforming MSOS. Not a surprise to us, not a surprise. So what we're doing at the Armour Report is we're building, we've built, we're not still building it. So now we're enjoying the, the upside, but we've built a portfolio where we have a ETF exposure to the US cannabis market and the Canadian cannabis market. We chose MJ as well for the simple reason that the cannabis stocks in Canada are the easiest places for people to go when they wake up to the fact that cannabis investing will be one of the best places they have capital in the next three to five to 10 years. It's just the quickest way to get them in. And so when, the, when, when we saw the, the country here go blue, that blue wave that took the country, we immediately realized it's a green wave that's going to be taking the country. And so institutional capital that will not, cannot buy stocks on the Canadian Stock Exchange, institutions that cannot go in there and buy a whole bunch of small cap U.S. cannabis stocks like Grow Generation, okay, they can put a lot of capital into canopy growth like that, into Kronos, into MJ. So we are at the start of the phase where the street is waking up to the fact that cannabis investing is an important part of a portfolio. And so the first place they go is what they know where they have no issues about capital structure, size, anything. And they race into the big cap Canadian stocks. That's why we're focused there in the portfolio, right along with our US MSOs. In the second stage, by the way, this, this stage might go on for months, but at some point we'll get to the next stage in the process where we're gonna have to pick out alpha by focusing on the best companies with the best business practices, right? It'll take a lot of research to do that. We're working constantly on our whiteboard to put at the top of our whiteboard the stocks we want. So what we have now is the hub of these ETFs because we're just capturing the group move as the rest of the street wakes up to what we all already knew for the last three years. We knew this was coming. The street's waking up. We're focused on the big names that it's going to attract a lot of capital. Boom, they're going to run. Then what we do is when we book profits there, we rotate into the next stage. I don't know when this is going to be. The next stage, we'll focus more on individual stocks on the, in the next stage. Okay? Um, so we've got the hub and the spoke approach here at the Armour Report. We've got the hub, those two, those two ETFs. And then we've got the spokes, our favorite US MSOs, which I talk about all the time. We, you know, we can go over those charts again if you, if you wish. Um, just to give you a couple of examples, obviously, um, there's a true leaf, right? And you can see in here where we bought these things. So again, guys, I'm not telling you to buy any of these stocks today. Maybe I should have started there. We're not adding any names right now. We're enjoying the ride. We added the names before this move. The armor report is not about chasing excitement. It's about making money while everyone else is chasing the excitement. Okay? So we own these stocks down here. Cresco. Okay? Cure Leaf. And, um, and Green Thumb. Okay? Now, a lot of you are asking me about smaller cannabis names. Can you go buy them? Sure. There's some great names out there. Juicy and you know, and, and maybe harvest and stuff like this, but they needed to be bought weeks ago. I'm not chasing any of those names. Now we're riding what we have right now. When the next base sets up, wherever it sets up, there'll be a base. They're going to rip higher. If we're lucky, they'll build a high tight pennant. And when they come out of that pennant, we might be booking some profits in shaving down some of our um, exposure to the ETFs and slotting in more of the individual names. So that's our approach right now. 
and it's just been paying off in spades. Am I concerned about the close of trading on Friday? Some, some people were asking me about, you know, how they might have reversed a little bit. Okay, this doesn't bother me at all. I'm looking at the weekly chart, and quite frankly, um, really great uptrends. The stocks don't go straight up every single day. They have shakeout days, and ideally those shakeout days can happen, you know, on a Friday afternoon, taking some money off the top. There's nothing wrong with that. Look at the weekly chart, MJ. That's a beautiful week. Here's the basic rule of thumb. You want to see if the asset closes in the top half of its trading range. Here's MSOS. Instead of going over all the names, we'll just look at the ETFs. This is in this top, the top two-thirds of its trading range is where it's closed. Certainly in the top half. Now, if it's in the bottom quarter, then maybe you have a short-term top that's been put in. Okay? So those are my basic thoughts on, um, on cannabis. I'm going to end it with this. This is another rule that I wanted to share with you guys. This is just for short-term traders. So I'm going, to, I'm going to look at the cannabis stocks, and I'm going to give you a thought on when you could have sold some if you wanted to. For, this is for short-term traders. For the investing portfolio, even for my swing portfolio, I'm not selling the stocks yet. But rule number 26 on the Armor Investing Rules of the Road. Armor Insiders, subscribers, you can go to the website when we're done with this conversation. Click on it. You'll see all my rules. Rule 26. It's the rule of three. The rule of three works in so many ways. Rule 25 and 26 deal with the rule of three. I don't know why this works, but this, if you were to read the book by um, a guy named Murphy, I can't remember his first name right now. Um, it's like a textbook on trading commodities. And um, geez, I have it on my, on my, uh, in my library and I, I just can't remember it right now. But anyway, it's a textbook on technical analysis of the futures market. The technical analysis of the futures market by Murphy. And in there, he goes over the, ba this is written, I don't know, 20 years ago, maybe even 30 years ago. I don't know, a long, long time ago this was written. And people probably wrote this even before he did. If you're looking at a basic trend line, for example, and, the, and a stock goes down, breaks the trend line on the downside, you're not supposed to really sell that stock, you're not, the asset. You're not supposed to say, yes, the trend has been broken unless it's more than 3% below the trend line and or it's below the trend line for more than three days. Now let's go to candlestick charting. You know there's the three white soldiers, which is a reversal pattern. Market's going down, down, down. It goes up three bars in a row. Major trend change. You know the three black crows, the opposite. It's gone up a lot. It's down three bars in a row. That's usually the end of the move. Three is of major importance in technical analysis. And so what I submit to you is this. If you look at MSO, that's not the best example because it's not three days. Let's, um, let me see if I can find one for you. Well, here's, here's Truly. Let's just give Truly as a small example. It accelerated one. I mean, it's a lot of up days in here, but what we're looking for is some real acceleration. Let me just see if I can find something. <laughs> it hasn't really happened that much. Geez, look at that. There's not really. Let's go look at MJ. Okay, there's MJ. Let's use MJ. So where would you book a profit on this thing? If you own it before the news comes out, it gaps up. It's trading higher. But every time it has a squat day like this, that's a consolidation day. That's a good, that's good you know, a good thing for the stock. So here what you have is an acceleration day, a major acceleration day, and then a gap up yesterday morning. So theoretically, on the third day, one, and then this was a major gap up, and then this was a gap up in the morning. On the third day's gap, you could book a profit early in the morning. 
okay? It's the three-day rule. See, look at, um, now we're looking at an intraday chart of, of um, cannabis, um, MJ, okay? So we're looking at the Armour algorithm, the PMP, the Price Movement Profiler. This black dot is the um, VWAP. So what happened was, this is the line of demarcation, right? This was Thursday's trading, Friday morning. This thing gapped up Friday morning and ran up Friday morning. Theoretically, you would book some profits on the three-bar reversal that occurred early in the morning. One, two, three, back below the VWAP. And you would have said it's been three up days in a row with the third day being a morning gap up and it's starting to lose steam. I'm going to book some profits. So just in case you guys are wondering in the future, if you want to be a trader that quickly, okay, I don't think on options expiration Friday, you know, anything can happen. And so you hate to be shaken out of positions just because of that volatility. But I'm just talking to pure traders now guys who buy something and two or three days later want to sell it. If you get three accelerations in a row with the third day being a gap up morning, that's where you look to put in a stop and book a profit if you want. That's just a thought for you. I hope you found this helpful. If you'd like to be an Armour Insider, consider subscribing right down here. You can go take a look at all of those rules of the road. Now let's get to Q&A. What do you got for me, guys? ID Doc, what do you think of Exxon? Okay, the energy stocks. I know you love these energy stocks. They got whacked on Friday. Let's take a look at um, Exxon. Oops. Got whacked a little bit on Friday, but it had a really great week. So you're looking at a huge double bottom in the energy stocks. And then, of course, the SEC came out and said they're going to investigate Exxon for some um, mispricing of Permian Basin assets. I don't know what that means or what that's going to lead to, but you better believe it's not just Exxon that's doing it. If they think that my, uh, um, Exxon's doing it, I'm sure every guy out there is mispricing asset value. So, I mean, that's not a good thing, but I don't know if that's going to affect the stocks. What, what do I think about these things? Um, It, I, I would say that we clearly see a bond fact. Let's look at the um, O'Neill charts just to give it a different view. Oops. There's Marathon. See, what you're looking at is a huge base, and it's trying to break out of that base. So first of all, what I think, um, Mo, is I think we should have been buying them down here on the double bottom to be a lot safer than paying for them up here at the top of a channel. So that's the first thought I have when I look at them. Um, so I wouldn't be chasing these names. You know, the time to own them. And I think maybe you even did. You were, you've been talking about this for a couple months. So you've been all over this trade. They look great. They're paying a dividend. It's the kind of thing I would like to write covered calls on. Increase my dividend yield. Do I really think the stock is going to go up, you know, dramatically? Or is it just done going down? In which case, you have an ideal opportunity to collect dividend yield and write calls against it. That's kind of what I think about the energy space. SBECF. Whoops, not getting that. Oh yeah, subversive capital. So yeah, I'm, you know, have I looked at weed maps yet? not to own it yet, <laughs> not to own it. I like weed maps. Hey, Ray, give me the symbol again for the, um, for the uh, um, blank check company that's going to take over weed maps. I know you've given it to me a bunch of times. Just give it to me again. Tech Monkey, good morning. How are you? Nice to see you. Nice to see you. <laughs> Thoughts on uh, decent, clean, renewable energy ETFs? Thank you. Um, my, my thoughts right now on these, uh, these type of, I don't know which ones you're referring to, but there's a whole bunch of them out there, and all of them are up dramatically because of this blue wave. So it's kind of like cannabis stocks, renewable energy stocks. All of these things needed to be bought before the Democrats took over you know, the capital. 
Um, now they're in the stratosphere. And so my thought is great for the whiteboard, time to do our research, look for the right ideas. I mean, I, I like this stock as an example. Um, I like Sunrun a lot. And I didn't get this first run up here. I got shaken out of it, much to my dismay. Um, but when it comes back in and finds support right on top of these levels, I like Sunrun, right? I've been doing research myself on uh, AZEK. This is a 100% uh, renewable company. They make decking that looks like wood that's made out of recycled products, and they use clean energy to, to, to do it. And it's a new issue that came public in the midst of a pandemic. Those are usually the strongest stocks. If they can come public in a terrible market, they can be tremendous investments. So I'm doing research on that right now. So uh, I, I like the idea. I don't know what ETFs you're referring to in, you know, specifically. There's AZEK. But, um, you know, good idea for the whiteboard. All right. ID Doc. Okay, let's go over this. This is a good idea. This is a good question. You say you have many, many trades lately, and you've lost money on seven out of 10 trades because you keep getting stopped out. I just feel that trading too much is not helping me. Okay, that's a great question. I would submit to you, Mo, that your entry points are wrong. Stops only work if they're married to the correct entry point, and the stop you're using is correct. So I think you're, you know, what I would suggest you do is pick up the phone and call me. I know you're an insider. We can chat about this. Let's go over those seven or 10 trades and see what the mistake is. I guarantee it's going to be glaring when we look at it. We'll, we'll go look at the trades and say, oh, this is the situation. Either the stop isn't correct or the entry point is wrong. And so it's a three-stage process. You've got to build that whiteboard. Then you've got to find the right entry point using algorithms. And then you have to marry the correct stop to it. I'll give you an example. If you use, um, let's look at, uh, um, well, let's look at Village Farms. Okay. The correct entry point's down here, right? Have you bought it down here, you wouldn't be stopped out of this trade. Now, if you put a trade on, let's say, up here, and they announce a secondary offering, and it comes back to where you bought it, you have to exit it. You just hit your stop. You didn't make any money on that trade. Well, it's because the trade was late, right? Way late. Let's take a look at um, canopy growth. Where, where are you buying canopy growth, right? I don't know what stocks you're trading, so I can't, I'm just showing you my ideas here. But the time to buy canopy growth is in the base, right here on the 50-day moving average. Let's take a look at some things we added recently to uh, the armor whiteboard. I mean, the armor portfolios. Um, I don't know. Um, but exact sciences, right? We bought exact sciences tight to the base here. And then it blew out, right? So it went and never, never challenged our stop. The stop was right here. The low of the day we were buying it, which was a 50-day, stock went up, right? It didn't challenge that stop. So it, it's a question of where you're putting the trade on. And when I find that I go through a period where I hit a bunch of trades that aren't working for me, I slow down what I'm doing and I force myself to only buy the right entry. No stepping. What's the right entry? Again, the right entry is buying something right near its moving average. Like we bought, um, whoops. We bought shares of Teladoc deep in the base. Right here, right? And then it popped up, boom, we're in a profitable position. So I would suggest you try to slow down your trading and only focus on stocks that are tight in bases instead of chasing stocks that have popped already. And I think that'll help you. Please explain Google and Apple plans to phase out third-party cookies for the next year. I haven't the slightest idea what you're talking about. And I can, we can, I'll look into that and we can talk about it. I know you're an Armour Insider, so we'll chat about it during the week. I'll try to figure out exactly what that, uh, how that affects us. 
No idea. All right, Phil, Brett, I thank you for appreciating what I do. It's, it's fun, and I'm glad you're here. L-R-N. Hmm. That's an interesting pattern. LRN, online curriculum, K through 12, virtual schools. I mean, you know, the stock to own in that space is Chegg, which had a massive inside-out reversal day on Friday. I, full disclosure, I don't own that stock, but I've been day trading it. <laughs> LRN. All right, we have to do a little bit of work on that. Why is it a four relative strength all the way down here at the bottom? I don't know. Obviously, it caught fire when people thought, um, you know, last year where all kids were going to school virtually, and now it's come back down to, you know, the entry point. So we got to do a little bit of work on that, Phil. Um, you're asking me, Phil, I think, r- run up earnings play for me. Earnings are on the 26th. Expect a run up before earnings. 50-day moving average. Mental stop. Phil, I, I can't go over all this with you right now. Honestly, if you want that kind of granular information and discussion, I would suggest you consider becoming an, an Armor Insider. And then you can pick up the phone and call me anytime you want. And you and I can have a one-on-one like this. But for the rest of us, you know, who are involved and the rest of you all who are watching, I can't get that deep into that thought structure. All right. And I don't, so I don't want to comment on it because I don't want to get you off your game if it's working. C-R-N-S-S-R-N-E. Oh, look at that chart. I'm going to write that one down. Sorrento. So sorry about that, Phil. I would just say um, the chart pattern looks great. I don't know about your philosophy on buying it in front of earnings for a run-up. That, that I don't know. But stock blew out, came back. It's certainly at the right entry point. It looks, right? And so we have to do research. I don't know the company, LRN, so I can't, I can't comment any further. There's Sorrento. That looks like a beautiful chart pattern right there. I'm going to write that down. At the very least, that might be a day trade for me on, on, uh, on Tuesday. S-R-N-E. V-I-R. I've done some work on this company before. I really like the management team of this company. They've been winners in the past with, I think it was Biogen. Don't quote me on that. But truth be told, um, Ray, I have not participated in any of these uh, vaccine plays. I don't like the headline risk. I just don't sleep well at night. I don't know what's going to happen in the morning. And so it's an opportunity cost of money, and it's a management of risk question for me. And so I, I just can't manage the risk. So will I day trade those names? Sure. But I'm just not comfortable holding them overnight when I don't know what a trial result is going to be that wrecks the stock and ruins my portfolio. I just can't have it. So there's just so much I can put in the portfolio. I just don't need that risk. And so I day trade those names. I don't own them. MicroStrategy. Sean Hill, MicroStrategy, what's your stop? That's up to you, man. I can't tell you how to, how to run your money, you know. Um, we can look at uh, the, the chart pattern. I mean, it's really up to you. There's the 25-day moving average on micro strategy. So you have to just ask yourself, are you willing to see your assets go from 580 down to 434 before you get out? If that doesn't feel right to you, then go to the next moving average that might make sense. You can see this asset is trading up the nine day moving average. It's been, it's been riding the nine and it hasn't gotten to the 25 days since the move started. So you could say the 14-day has been it's been riding the 14-day. The last time it consolidated, it held the 14-day. But you have to determine for yourself how much you're willing to give back. That's all.
Phil's expecting a blowout of earnings from learn, learnings. Okay, I'm going to do some research there and try to figure out why you feel that way. LNR. Yeah, that chattering about broadening the stock market and high stock prices is always chatter. The market climbs a wall of worry. Right, Mark? We all know that. So there's always going to be another problem around the corner to be afraid of. And we can't let any of that cloud our judgment when it comes to managing capital. We put capital to work. We use stops. We use a process. And we put blinders on. So none of that noise affects how we run money. And there'll be 100 people if there's one, there'll be millions of people telling you they knew it, they saw it coming, they told you because they told you that information when the market finally goes down. But what they won't tell you is they've been calling for the market to go down for a year, <laughs> okay? And they've been wrong, 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 wrong. You know what I'm saying? And then the market goes down and they love to come out of the woodwork and say, oh, geez, you could have known it was going to happen because of all these factors. But those factors don't start the selling. That's the problem. What starts the selling? Last year, it was a pandemic. When you have the Fed adding this kind of liquidity, we're in a mechanical bull market. There's only two things that stop that. Something like a pandemic, which is a risk nobody sees coming, the quote, black swan. Or the economy picks up, the market gets back to normal economic-wise, and the Fed steps away. That's what's concerning me at the top of my I can't figure out what the next black swan is going to be so what really matters to me is we're going to get control of COVID which would be a great thing from a humanitarian standpoint um, and we can all go out of our houses I hope that happens um, and the economy picks up and there's no more stimulus checks and the Fed says we don't have to support the market at the level they were supporting it or they'll continue to support it here but they won't add any more so the market will just stagnate. And so right at the time that everybody on CNBC is telling you how great the economy is because it's starting to pick up, the market will start going down. It'll be completely counterintuitive. Okay, Saber, I think I already covered uh, AMD. All I can tell you is the relative strength breaking down on AMD. I don't know why. I mean, semi-stocks are skyrocketing. AMD and NVIDIA are breaking down. I don't know. Move on. Find the next idea. Teladoc. I love it. Full disclosure, it's armor portfolio position. Nothing wrong with Teladoc. Stock had a great week. Any thoughts on NVE? Um, NV5 Global. I don't know this company. I'll have to do some work on it. Who do they compete with? Huh. That's a good-looking chart pattern, though. But no thoughts on it. Okay, just, just to be clear, faded trader, I don't use RSI. I'm, I'm just, I know maybe you do, but I'm, when I talk about relative strength, it's the RS index, the relative strength versus the S&P, not relative strength index versus itself. But I appreciate this. I'm going to put this on my list to do some research on, N-V-E-E. You're on it from the low 70s. How come you didn't tell us about it? Come on, man. <laughs> I'll do some work on that. Raymond, Nokia. Street has it wrong. <whistles> Nokia. And I think, wasn't it Deb asking us about Ericsson the other day? Nokia and Ericsson. You know, maybe it's going to have a resurgence, you know. These are 5G plays.
Um, God, you know, we've moved on from precious metals, um, Saber. So I've just tabled the thought because it's so mind numbing, to be quite frank with you. I don't understand how in the world we live in today, gold and silver will be going down. And please don't tell me it's because Bitcoin's taking over. That's a ridiculous comment. I don't, no offense to anybody who feels that way. I didn't mean to, you know, but it's a ridiculous comment. I mean, it, it doesn't happen all, oh, all of a sudden. Everyone's selling their gold and buying Bitcoin. That, that, that's just on the periphery. I, I don't see a whole bunch of people in India celebrating the wedding by, you know, hanging Bitcoin around their neck. Okay. I mean, just stop. I don't go down to the diamond district and see a whole bunch of jewelry made out of Bitcoin. I mean, gold and silver have a place, okay, in the banking system. Bitcoin doesn't have a place in the banking system yet. I mean, there are a lot of things happening in gold and silver that should put them dramatically higher. And there's room for Bitcoin. There's two completely separate investments there, separate people that invest in them. I don't know why gold and silver are going down right now. I couldn't tell you. And so in order to save me from myself, we use stops at the Armour Report. And we're out of these stocks quick when they don't work. So, you know, we try to position in GDX and all the stocks like GDX. One, two, three, day four was the failure. I came on this show and I told everybody, we're done, we're out. But hey, guess what, Mo, this is just for you. We bought GDX right here. So when it reversed and came back down, we didn't lose money on the trade. We broke even on the trade. I actually booked a small profit personally on that trade because we bought it right. And now it's going lower and we're out. And the only stock in the space that's worth anything to me is Newmont. The outperformance of Newmont's phenomenal. I'm shocked that stock is not below the 200-day moving average when every other major Gold stock is breaking down. Of course, they just announced a billion-dollar stock buyback that they're going to execute in the next 18 months. So if I ever buy a, a, a metal stock again, which I'm sure I will, the first place I'll go is Newmont. All right, let's keep going. Um, oh, yeah, SSPK. SSPK. Thanks, Raymond. Isn't that unbelievable, Festeroso? But that's the point of why there's such upside in these stocks. Festeroso writes that Merrill Lynch won't let him buy MJ, YOLO, MSOS, not safe because of legal issues. <laughs> there's massive upside in these stocks. And all I can tell you, Festeroso, is please open an account somewhere else. I don't know why anybody works with Merrill Lynch. And quite frankly, Full disclosure, I mean, I worked at different brokerage. I was a broker when I started this business. I worked at Lehman Brothers when it was a good name, but way before the collapse of 2008. I worked at Prudential Securities. Well, you know, um, it was Wachovia taken over by Wells Fargo. So I worked at a bunch of these different places. And, um, you know, I just, I always avoided Merrill like the plague. No offense or anything, man. I'm just saying. But they're not alone, by the way. I think UBS won't let you buy uh, cannabis stocks either. How about the biggest clearinghouse, Pershing? They won't clear cannabis trades. I think they won't clear U.S. You know, cannabis, MSO trades. They won't clear trades for TrueLeave or Cresco. This is why the upside is so, and we're so early in cannabis. It's insane. The hardest thing about this for us that have been on this for three years is not selling it too soon. The hardest thing will be, will be the memories of when they break down. And so when there's weakness and volatility, it scares you out of positions. So the key that, to deal with that is to trade around the core. When you have two or three, when you have three huge updates in a row, book some profits. So when it comes back in, you're not feeling you know, sick about it, and you can put that capital back to work. You got here for me, M-R-A-M. 
No comment for you. Don't know it. Do you know about the class action against Pinterest? Something to worry about. Um, I never worry about class actions. Now, if Pinterest breaks down from this chart pattern, breaks below the 50-day moving average, I'll take the money that I've made in the stock from down here, and I'll say, thank you very much. That was a fun ride, and I'll put it back on the top of my whiteboard. But um, I don't know specifically about this class action, but I can tell you that, you know, having done this for a long time, um, lawyers will come up with class actions to collect fees all day long. I think the class action process in the investment community is a joke. I think it's a waste of court's time. And I think it drains money out of quality companies because they end up many times just paying them off to go away. Is there a place in our society for a class action lawsuit for something like an Enron? Absolutely. Should you be able to slap class action lawsuits on companies for any ridiculous reason? No. That's my thought. And usually it doesn't affect the stock. But, hey, man, we just use our stop loss. We don't have to worry. You know, the, the question you ask is a good one, North, Northistic. You ask um, something to worry about. I don't have anything to worry about. I put positions on. I have stops. I don't worry. Of course I worry. You know, we all do. Okay? But my point is, it, there's no point in worrying about it. It doesn't, it doesn't help me make a decision. If it goes below the stop, I'm out. If it stays above the stock, the stop, I stay with it. That's all. Brett, take a look at ACB. What do you think? I just don't like, I don't like ACB. My, it's my least favorite company in the space. And, you know, we own ACB through our ownership of MJ. So if it goes up a lot, you know, maybe it'll go up. Maybe, you know, it'll certainly affect our MJ position. For my money, I actually like OGI better. I think OGI is a, um, uh, an interesting little cheap idea that has great technology that I think could be taken over. Full disclosure, I own this stock already, and I haven't the slightest idea if they will be taken over. I don't know anything. There's no information I have there. I just like the technology at the company. You know, they had a terrible earnings announcement. They keep fumbling around. Question is, does somebody come by one day and just scoop them up? I don't know. We'll see. KL equals junk. I don't know what you're talking about there. Is that Kirkland Lake? KL? So it's breaking down for sure. Is it a three-bar reversal on Pinterest? Let's take a look. Let's go look at it here because I think it's easier for us to see it. Um, all right, so what you're saying is you have three bars against right here, one, two, and three. Um, well, you know, look, first of all, even if it is, it's not going to get me out of the stock. The 50-day moving average is the stop that I'm using. You could do whatever you want. That's my stop. If it closes below there, I'm done. If not, I'm, I'm holding the position. That, that's not such an egregious three-bar reversal that it would get me to to do anything aggressive. Like that last bar is kind of a squat bar holding the 25 day moving average. A real three bar reversal is it's, it's clear. It's a, it's a big expansive move and it's, and it's one that occurs. I'm trying to find one for you. I wish I could find one. A real three bar reversal is not hard to see. It's, it's not just three down days in a row. It's three aggressive down days in a row. Does that make sense? It's three expanding down days in a row. It's not just three down days. You're going to find three down days all the time in stocks. But it's a question of, of, the, of what the bar looks like. It's usually a big bar, a big bar, a big bar. And that tells you, wow, something just happened. You know, that to me is, 
a couple of small days, bringing it down right into options expiration. So it just comes right down to where the gamma level was to clear out most of the call holders. That's just typical action on, a, on, a, on an OPEX week. So yeah, it doesn't look like that much to me. Thank, thanks for the thoughts, Brett, and clearing up the RSI insight. I should have shared with you all, but with a was a tip from a friend who works at a competitor and didn't expect a recent breakout, so didn't share it. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. No worries. No worries. I like the chart pattern of the business financials. All right, I'll take a look. New York Jets asked, am I, am I seeing upside in any particular sectors? I know you know one sector I'm seeing upside. That's cannabis, brother. I see cannabis upside. I, I don't know. I don't see anything else particular. Um, although disruptive growth, growth, like I talked about today, when I look at the IBD 50, the disruptive growth, I, I know it's not a particular sector. Um, it's more just disruptive growth stocks, but you're seeing an acceleration here in, in those type of names, which are just explosive growth stocks. Any thoughts on NK? Um, so they, they made their interim announcement, right? And so, you know, whenever a company like that makes their interim announcement and it's positive, you want to sell it the day of the news. Because what's going to happen now, you know, is the stock's going to settle back, set up another opportunity. Maybe we get another shot at it lower. <coughs> it's possible, possible that that news is strong enough to get a, somebody to come take them over. But that, you know, I don't know. So typically, if I'm investing in a small biotech that is burning through cash, what they usually do, the process is they show their interim results. They're positive. The stock goes up. They do an equity offering, dilute the shares for the next phase, or they get taken over. So, you know, it's, it's to each his own. You got to figure out how you want to play that yourself. But if I'm playing that, it's going to be either I sell the whole thing on the news or I trade around the core. I book some profit up there and then I hold a piece just in case, you know, the thing goes vertical, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a fun morning. I appreciate you spending time as always. I will see. Um, we have a three day weekend, so I'll see Armor Insiders bright and early. 830 for our morning call. You guys have a great weekend. And a great long weekend. I'll see you on the flip side, guys.